Welcome to the Echo Cast, episode 45. A bit late this time, huh? I wonder why. I suspect if you're listening to this, you know why. It's because the embargo just ended. This should be posted at Monday, the 4th, at noon, Eastern Time, United States, whatever. And the reason I waited to post this is so I could go in depth and talk a whole bunch about what I saw and what I did at the hands-on event in San Francisco for The Division 2. So, I'm sorry to make you wait a day. Most of y'all listen during the week anyways. So, let's talk about it. But first... I'm going to talk about some content updates uh, because I think they're uh, still worth listening to. So, um, man, so much to talk about. I, I honestly, uh, I'm a little overwhelmed and that's okay. So content updates. Okay. So including the YouTube video for this, I will have eight videos coming out uh, between Monday and Wednesday. Uh, there'll be two on Monday, three on Tuesday and three on Wednesday, uh, mostly gameplay videos. Uh, the first video will be a little bit more of a talk, uh, and the thoughts and opinions, a lot of what you're going to hear during this podcast. Um, and then, uh, and then the podcast video that will actually have a bunch of new footage though. So I suggest checking it out, um, just for the footage, if anything. Uh, and then we'll we'll start streams on Thursday, uh, Thursday through Sunday. I plan on streaming every day, for hopefully at least four or five hours, and we'll really dig into the Division Two. I'll show you stuff that I've already seen that I want other people to see. We'll do some PvP. We'll knock out some missions. We'll do some open world stuff, and we'll uh, we'll mess around in the dark zone a bit and see what that looks like. So. Um, I want to do a, like a thoughts with Bond as well. If you guys know my words with Bond series on Medium, uh, I've occasionally done ones where I just type up an article, and I may do something along those lines. But we'll uh, we'll see about that. Uh, and finally, I'm gonna do a bunch of Twitter posts. So I've I've, I've compiled some kind of janky pictures um, of like gear brands and guns and talents and stuff that you can check those out as well. So just keep an eye out on my Twitter for that. I'm going to try to do a giveaway soon, uh, full of merchandise, uh, that good stuff brand or whatever that promoted a bunch of division stuff. I ordered a couple mugs from them and I'm still waiting for them to even ship. Uh, so as soon as those come in, I will uh, start up the giveaway. And it'll just basically be a bunch of merch. I have some extra shirts here. I've got an extra comic. Um, I may throw in some random stuff from E3. And we'll do that. So be on the lookout. Um, stay of the game recap. Well, we don't have a stay of the game this time. Uh, we do have a special report coming on the 5th. Um, I assume at the regular time. 11, probably 11 a.m. Eastern time. But... Be sure to look on the official page for that. Um, I expected to actually be able to give you guys some details about the stash space uh, in the the season pass and all of that, but I haven't gotten the information quite yet. And um, 
we will uh, I'll, I'll I'll detail that as soon as I'm able basically doing that I'll probably put it on Twitter now um, and share it on the the division 2 hub and on my on my account so be on the lookout for that uh, the impression I'm under for with the little I know about the stash space and season pass and all that is that uh, if anything it's underwhelming um, but until I have real details that are official and that I'm allowed to release I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go more into it for now so drum roll please uh, the 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 division two hands-on event so uh, we were allowed to t say we were going on this trip so uh, most of you or anyone who pays attention to me um, on Twitter you know bless ya should know I spent uh, a couple of days uh, out west in the United States in San Francisco uh, I can tell you now that it was a PVE and in-game focused event and uh yeah so i flew out um my flight out was was not great uh i was stuck beside the mom and the child and the child was kicking the seat in front of him the entire time and then the second flight i was between two guys who got there before me and uh took both armrests and uh it was just awkward uh i was bigger than them though so eventually i got my armrest and uh, people are just going on planes. So never another middle seat for the rest of my life. That's 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 where I'm going with that. Um, the hotel we stayed at was awesome. The food was really good. Um, the area we were in uh, was really neat. And um, I, I walked around a little bit. I didn't get to explore as much as I wish I would have. Uh, but it was kind of an exhausting trip. Uh, more so than I thought it would be. So uh, I still enjoyed it though. It was great. And I got to meet a lot of people. So I got to meet uh, Yannick again. Uh, I had seen him at E3 uh, last June as a star player. Uh, he was really great to talk to. I definitely got way more time to actually chat with him this time. Um, I got to spend a good amount of time um, with uh, Keith from uh, Red Storm. Uh, you, you would know him as I think a kill of death or something like that is his Twitter handle. Keith Evans, he's really, really, really cool dude. Um, you would recognize him. He's been on, um, he's typically the one on the state of the game streams with Terry. Uh, I think that Tony Sturzel has been on there before as well, but uh, Keith is typically the one that's on there. So um, he was great. I got to meet uh, some some of the fellow streamers as well. Uh, Lieutenant Buzz Lightbeer was there. It was awesome to meet him. I'm glad our voices didn't uh, shake San Francisco into the ocean and uh, KCG uh, Paris, a bunch of other great people. Um, it was nice to, to get some people face to face. Uh, there were definitely more people. It seems like at the second day of the event, which I didn't attend um, that I actually had met already. So it was actually really cool to get to meet people um, that I hadn't seen before, uh, put some faces to names and interact with some people uh, I just wouldn't have normally interacted with. Uh, I will say I was completely uh, out of my element and had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I actually did an interview with uh, Yannick uh, where I didn't record it correctly and my recorder actually died. Uh, so that's all gone. It was a nice little conversation too, which is a bummer. Um, I 
tried to record some other things as well so I could more accurately uh, describe uh, some stuff that's coming. Uh, and it, it was a disaster. So uh, hopefully there were some other people there who knew what they were doing better than me. But I'm still happy to talk about what we did and what I saw. Uh, so I want to break it into basically uh, what we like, what I saw, how the day went and what I thought about what I saw. Um, I'm, I'm going to be happy to give a couple things I'm a little worried about or concerned about, but um, it's it's pretty minimal and, and we'll go into it. So um, so the day consisted of uh, of a briefing on uh, just the PVE side of the game and the one to 30 journey and the things that you can do. Then we got to play for a few hours. We ate lunch, another briefing on the end game. And what that means and what is coming, uh, which I'm honestly not 100% sure how much I can talk about. So uh, if, if this episode gets edited later on, don't be surprised. Um, and then the day was over. So uh, it went uh, pretty late into the night. And I, uh, after I talk about the information, I'll, I'll explain kind of what happened. It's kind of funny. But um so the the first session i got to play and put my hands on this is the first time i put my hands on the game since the alpha which i can't talk about um but uh, especially since the demo last year and it, just the the polish compared to even the demo at e3 was was good <sighs> a little yawn there um <clears throat> Basically, it starts you off. Um, I don't think it actually the beginning of the game. Uh, so basically, you you retake the White House, uh, or not really retake it. You you help defend it um, at the beginning of this. I have a feeling this uh, what we played uh, is essentially going to be the beta. Uh, it seems like all all of the exact same things were there. So uh, you, you do this little run up to the White House. You kill some hyenas. Uh, which is one of the new factions and then you get in uh, and we weren't allowed to show any footage from inside there so i'm not going to talk much about it either um the cinematics and stuff we you know we had to be careful with so um but uh right from the start gameplay feels good uh, all the issues that people have with the movement and stuff like that i it's a little different, but it's not Wildlands. I'm just really sick of, of seeing that. It seems like it's kind of the clickbaity thing to go after at this point, um, which is fine. That's, you know, it, maybe people's opinions are really just different or maybe, you know, everyone has their own prerogative. Uh, but you start off with like a, I think a P416 uh, rifle. Uh, I forget what the maybe a submachine gun. Um, the biggest issue, <laughs> you can actually see this gameplay on the video that would have posted the same time as this podcast. So if you want to see that a uh, little more concise, less rambly version, you can go there to my YouTube. Um, from there, you get the White House uh, and then you go out and there's there were two missions that you could complete uh, during this part of the recording and the hands on um, the Grand Washington Hotel. Um, and I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, but, uh, funny enough, I actually had some issues. Uh, it didn't appear to be an issue with the game. Uh, the, the Xboxes we were playing on were the dev versions, which in hindsight, I found and, and heard that, uh, they, they aren't the most reliable machines on earth that I, I guess the actual machines, uh, the Xbox one and the one X are significantly more reliable. Um, just because they're more stable, their final product, where the dev boxes are 
a little a uh, little more quirky uh so but once i got to play i knocked out one of the story missions um the big thing is the story missions um especially compared to the first game just feel like they go on and on and on um i would almost compare the story missions i've gotten to play uh, almost to the incursions in division one maybe not quite as long um, but definitely way different than than division um, than division one and to the point where I did a bunch of side missions as well which in the division one were kind of throwaway rescue civilians clear out the water stations you know down in the subway area or underground um, these ones the side missions in division two genuinely feel like full-fledged missions from the first game uh, they're relatively challenging i played most of this part uh, of the gameplay by myself and they they were hard you know uh not impossible but challenging y you have to think that this is in combination with learning how to use the new skills which are much more manually controlled now a lot of them and they're, they're very they can be very powerful but uh, they also require uh, some more skill than the the kind of click and release skills of division one and uh, the enemies are just tougher they, they they do more damage the armor system is very different uh, i i caught myself dying a lot especially at the beginning of the gameplay session because i still was in that mentality from division one of you know face tanking a little bit and being way too aggressive and uh you know i, I definitely could feel my playstyle change quite a bit through the uh through the session so um but it was good uh, i really like the missions i don't really want to talk too much about specifics of them uh, there is video footage uh but you know i know some people you know, want to stay away from any story stuff but uh yeah the, the grand washington was really cool the other mission i actually didn't get to play during this hands-on event and the only other time i played it i can't talk about so um but the side missions were cool. The thing that actually surprised me a lot was uh, was the checkpoints. So the checkpoints are a open world feature where there's there's these um, landmarks across the the LZ, the the, the non DZ area um, that can be controlled by anyone. So they can be controlled by civilians uh, who are you know quote unquote good guys, or they can be controlled by any of the factions. What's interesting about them is that they, um, they're so it's kind of a wave-based thing. It's kind of it's kind of like the um, the the DZ checkpoints uh, or landmarks in the northern DZ, where there's multiple waves. I think there were two or three waves of them that culminates in a boss spawning and some and some higher level enemies. You kill them, uh, and then uh, some waves spawn of enemies trying to take the checkpoint back and kill you and keep you from capturing it, which again is, is a few waves and then a boss. And once you kill all of them, you take over the checkpoint. And what's cool about this is that every checkpoint has this like loot room where once you once you take the checkpoint, you go back to the loot room. And there's like four or five boxes of loot, which is gear, guns, um, supplies. It was really cool. Um, if, if you called in civilian help, they take over the checkpoint. And um, 
the the one the fallen cranes checkpoint uh you can find gameplay of it it'll be posted i think on wednesday um has like a mini gun on top of a on top of a van uh, that's something i noticed in both the grand washington hotel and this checkpoint um and i think the other checkpoint i did too um, that there's like that it's they pretty heavily feature these mini guns that AI or you can even use, and you can uh, mow down enemies pretty effectively with them. It's it's an interesting addition. I'm I'm kind of surprised they put it in, uh, uh, but it didn't seem to hurt anything. And if anything, it's um, kind of a new obstacle to have to think about. Uh, they're very powerful. If you get hit by them, it's uh, it's it's no fun. So. Um, beyond that just doing some exploring there's these shade tech missions that you can go do um and the shade tech is the only use i noticed of it during my time was that it's what you use to unlock the different types of skills uh, i primarily i primarily used i believe the bombardier drone and um i want to say the seeker mines at the beginning uh the the ones that you target the airburst and then uh Another time I used the regular turret and the regular seeker mines that seek themselves. Um, oh, and I got to use the uh, the artillery turret, which is a ton of fun. It's super powerful. Uh, it's a little tough to use, though, but it needs to be because it's super powerful. Um, in the open world, you do these shade tech missions that, again, are almost as extensive as the original missions from Division 1. Multiple rooms, multiple locations, uh, boss, you know, waves of enemies, bosses you have to kill. And what was really cool, like about one of those I did is uh, it says that this uh, this mission is inside this hotel. Well, you run up to the hotel and there's no doors to open. You can't get in. But if you look and you pay attention, there's these big locks on the doors. And until you shoot those locks off, then it makes the door openable. So what that made me realize is that in Division 2, there's probably going to be a bunch of secret locations that you can get into. But if you don't look for like these locks or probably other mechanisms to get in, you, you won't even ever know they're there. So that makes me really excited to explore the open world and see what we can find. Uh, but you do that mission, you get the shade tech, you can go back, you get some gear as well, I believe. And you can you know unlock more skills i imagine that's also going to count into probably talents and stuff like that um and just the open world in general the, the enemies spawn and patrol in a, in a way that seems like it's um like an evolution of the west side piers uh spawning system uh, if anyone has paid attention to me for a while you'll know i actually despise the west side piers <laughs> Uh, and, and I don't really care for the way that that works. It's not my favorite, but um, it seems like this system is a lot better. It, you you happen upon these enemies, but instead of them just immediately charging you, um, it's just they're kind of like on patrols. You can even run up on situations where there's a group of enemies who have captured civilians and they're going to like execute them or something. And you can prevent that from happening. And I think that even ends up being a waved, uh, a wave based thing and you can get a little bit of gear and uh, supplies from that. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. It, the, that, that part was fun. It was fairly limited. We were limited to a fairly small part of the map. Um, and I'm glad, um, one of my biggest worries about doing this event was that I would leave it with like too much information and I would feel like I spoiled the game, uh, but I didn't. So, um, I'm sure there's details I'm missing and I'm forgetting, but 
I'll kind of I'll kind of move on. So so the second play session we had was the end game play section, and all it was was a um, uh, one of the end game invaded missions. So the invaded missions appear to be the PVE version of the occupied zones uh, for the dark zones, and so the invaded missions are regular missions you play during the game, but they they have these new enemies in them. Um, and these enemies appear to be that Black Tusk faction that you see uh, at the end of the story trailer and that we've seen in some of the DZ stuff. And what it appears they are is essentially the uh, these invaded missions basically seem like they are the legendary missions of Division 2. So rather than fighting some like super duper true sons the way that we fought like the super lmb in division one in legendary these invaded missions literally have a whole new faction it appears the missions have actually they actually change to essentially a whole new mission as well um, because the new faction has a different goal they, they're there for a different reason um and the and the black tusk uh is is a bizarre faction uh the true sons the outcast the hyenas uh I assume there's probably more factions we don't know about yet. Um, they're they're very different from the factions in Division One, but they appear to be you know just kind of regular. You know they're 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 either soldiers or you know these mercenaries or whatever, and they have some technology but not that much. And well, these Black Tusk guys have robot dogs and track tank things that have guns on them and, and can jam your uh, shade tech up. And uh, it, it, when we first loaded into a mission, I, I was just flabbergasted, to be totally honest. Um, uh, they, they, they move, they, they can be very aggressive, but they kind of cover each other too. Um, it's kind of like, it, I mean, they definitely do remind me of fighting hunters and uh, except they like all work together where the hunters in division one, um, even in the underground, don't really work together. They would kind of just be like four tough guys coming at you at once or whatever. Where these Black Tusk guys definitely are much more coordinated. Um, one thing I really liked about the whole playtime was, you know, now if there's a purple enemy or a gold enemy and they have armor bars and they're hard to kill, you know, that's represented so it's not just even those big super heavy guys that have armor bars and have armor you need to break uh, I, I noticed there were a bunch of other enemies who had like full helmets where they wouldn't take headshot damage until you blew up their helmet until you knocked it off or or exploded it um and, and that definitely you know i know a big problem with division one was people didn't like that you were shooting at a guy in a hoodie and it took 50 bullets to kill him well, the, the red enemies now with no armor are, are literally their their player models don't have armor. They're they're just you know plain clothes you know people or, or very very lightly geared. Um, even the black tusk um, go down relatively fast uh, if they don't have any armor. Uh, and then the enemies that do have armor, you know, it's represented. You can see it. Um, so while it's definitely still not a realistic time to kill game, it's it's much lower. And when it's not really low, there's like a visual representation of why. Um, 
the the invaded missions we did uh, one of them i think is the one that we're going to get to play with in the beta um they're cool they're they the locations are really neat um i think we're doing the air and space museum in the beta and and it's got some just set pieces that just like blow your mind it's so cool um so i'm really excited for people to get to touch those um and, that, and that's kind of all i kind of want to say about that the the next thing i'll kind of talk about and probably the last big thing here is um i i went back in my footage and, and you can see some of these pictures probably on twitter i'll post them uh, but i basically went and i took screenshots and cut up um you know like some of the gear i found the talents that were that were on that gear uh, so like the brand sets I found, and, and this came from a tweet from Frederick Dylander as well, is that the brand sets, uh, a lot of them appear early in the game, but some of them are only high end. Uh, so there's um, so the brand sets I found so far are the China Light Industries, which appears to be a shotgun brand. The Gila Guard, which appears to be kind of like a, it's got like resistance and armor to it, like uh, that's its bonuses. Uh, the Wavern Wear uh, is a headshot uh, brand, it seems. Uh, the Sokolov Concern is an SMG brand. Uh, the Badger Tough is a health on kill and damage to elites. Uh, Murakami Industries um, is specific, specifically has a Firefly skill power, which is one of the new skills. So that makes me wonder if there's going to be whole brands that are just for... Um, increasing the uh, ability of certain skills and stuff. Uh, the Fenris group, which has damage to elites and health on kill on it. And the Richter and Kaiser. Uh, a lot of these people have seen, maybe a couple they haven't. Uh, the Richter and Kaiser is actually a pistol brand, which is very exciting for me. Um, but then there was a brand I found that was the Alps Summit Arm Armament. But I only saw it at Endgame. Uh, in the high end, and I actually didn't capture what its um, its its bonuses even were. So assuming these are maybe like half of the brands, um, I suspect it's not all of them. Uh, and and the and the top bonus for these brands is 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 three. So especially early in the game, like I could see myself have um, like a Wavern wear, which if you have three pieces of that, you get crit hit damage, headshot damage, um, and critical hit chance, um, and combine it with, um, maybe the badger tough and get damage to elites, health on kill and crit hit chance. So just between, if you have those six pieces, you're looking at 20% extra, um, crit hit chance, you're getting 15% health on kill. Uh, you've got 5% damage to elites, you got headshot damage, you know, so a lot of those concerns that I've had and that people have had about whether or not there's going to be any customization and builds and stuff like that, I, I think that even in early game, there, there, there'll be a lot more than people are expecting. Uh, and then I'm curious to see what these high-end only gear, uh, gear brands are going to be like. Maybe they'll have more bonuses, uh, maybe they'll just have more powerful stuff, or maybe just different stuff than what we have uh, earlier in the game. So on top of the gear brands, I also found a bunch of gun talents. Um, the, the big thing about these and even the gear brands I just talked about, none of this stuff is final. Don't be surprised if these things change or are removed or whatever. But um, 
What I really found, and I actually don't even understand very well, and I forgot about this until we were playing, is that you know we don't have firearms, stamina, and electronics anymore uh, to, to unlock talents. Now it, it bases off of other stuff. So uh, there's there was one, uh, yeah, so this preservation talent for a gun, um, if you kill an enemy, it repairs your armor 10% over five seconds. Um, and, and I can't see the rest of this talent, but it says something about um, headshot kills that probably give you more healing of your armor. But in order for this talent to even work, you have to have five um, armor replacements. So your med kits, you have to have not used any of your med kits. So if you have five med kits available or now they're the armor plates, this works. But if you use one, you only have four. Now this doesn't work anymore. Actually, now that I look at it, you know, it says two or more. So you have to have two or more of the armor plates. So if you're down to two armor plates and you need to replace one and get your shield back um, or your armor back, you may you have to make a decision now. Like you have to know your build. Uh, you may have to. Ah, man. Like if I just kill this enemy, I'll get I'll get armor. I don't have to use this kit. Um, if I do a headshot, I'll get even more. Um, there's a few, I assume these were lower level guns that had, there was one that was like a sadist that does more damage to bleed enemies, uh, ignited that did more damage to burning enemies. Um, I have one that's a vindictive here, uh, killing an enemy with a status effect applies, um, something. I don't know what the rest of the talent said to all of your group members and yourself. Um, there's one here called spike. Uh, this is three or more and it looks like a battery, but I'm not aware. I don't know if this is like stuff that you collect in the open world or what, uh, but it gives a headshot kill, a headshot kills grant 25% uh, more skill damage for 10 seconds, which is a pretty substantial amount. Um, there's one here that uh, if you get three consecutive body shots, it refills the magazine and grants 35% weapon something. And if that's weapon damage, uh, that's a significant talent. <laughs> that's very strong. Um, and then there's just a bunch more. There's just killer one that that grants um, more crit hit chance if you do uh, if you kill someone with a crit hit. Uh, bread basket. If you land body shots, it adds a stack bonus of five percent uh, to headshot damage. Uh, I assume up to a certain point. Um, it's just cool. I, I, I like that. I don't see any uh, repeats of talents from Division 1, um, even if some of them are maybe a little bit similar. And then we had um, gear talents as well. I didn't find too many of these. These were mostly the base ones. I only found one high-end talent. Um, the base gear, the green gear and the white gear, I don't think have any of these. Uh, the superior talents I found were fairly simple. And like the one high-end talent was called Two Order. And uh, it says... Uh, grenades can now be cooked by holding the fire button, making them explode earlier. So kind of like our um, our knee pads from the Division 1 that give you a really short explosive time on grenades. Well, now there's these <clears throat> there's a talent specifically that you can cook it yourself. And uh, and I like that. Like if a bunch of the talents are are in that vein, I think they'll be really cool. Uh, some of the superior level talents I found were um, like hazard protection, which I imagine will have more to do uh, once we actually get to play the game. There's hardened, it just gives you more armor in general. You've got damage to elite talents, more explosive damage talents, more skill power talents, 
they're all fairly similar and these ones at least in this state did not have any requirements so you just had to have the gear you didn't have to have any you know so many med kits or or so much like skill power or anything like that to unlock them um other than that uh, there were a bunch of new guns I saw. I got to use the F2000 quite a bit, which some people spotted in a trailer. I got to use the Spaz 12, which was really cool. That was a lot of fun to use. Um, I'm trying to think what other guns were new. Um, the M16A2 uh, is a burst fire weapon. It's in the rifle category. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be any more burst weapons or not. It, it felt okay. Uh, it hit pretty heavy. Um, it still kind of had some of the similar issues that the burst fire guns had in Division 1, where since it just fired slower, it just felt less effective. Um, but maybe I'll, I also didn't have any attachments that I could use on it. I think if it was more stable, it'd be really fun to use. Um, we had some old favorites like the M44, M249. Um, MK-16 is, uh, is actually a gun I really liked in Division 1. It feels very different in this game, uh, but not in a bad way. It felt good. Uh, actually, my favorite gun to use might have been the RPK-74. Uh, the guns just sound so good. They have such a... If, if you've really shot guns, then you, um, you'll you you'll be very happy. Uh, the guns just sound so good, man. Um... Let's see, what else do we have here? We had MP7s, we had the Super 90. Um, I did get to mess with some of the specialist grenades in the endgame section. Um, they were like fire grenades and stuff like that. They were pretty powerful. Uh, the concussion grenades that you get from the beginning of the game, I thought they were going to be like stun grenades. Uh, that's what concussion says to my brain, um, but they're just frag grenades. So, uh, so if you were worried about not having those, um, that they're still there. They just they're, they call them concussion grenades now, uh, and they're pretty powerful. It seems like they scaled pretty well um, as we we're playing. Uh, some of my favorite guns I got to use. I got to use the Vector again, and it just sounds so cool. It uh, in the the Vector in Division One. Uh, had a, a very low RPM. Uh, the real one, I believe, is 1100 or more. And the Vector in Division 2 uh, is 1100 RPM. And it just sounds amazing. And it empties its magazine in seconds. Uh, one thing I noticed about the attachments, I'm not sure if this is final or not. But I can't remember if it was the MK16. I think it was. Um, the MK16 had a extended magazine... Uh, that gave 30 extra rounds, which I believe brought it uh, to 60 rounds. So I, I'm, I'm kind of not a huge fan of that. Um, because I like the idea that guns are just going to be more powerful and harder to use in Division 2. And that um, the days of having 60 round magazines were gone. Um, I believe the magazine that is actually shown in the in the model that you use, uh, I think it really is either a 60 or a 50 round magazine in real life. So I guess that's kind of a thing, but um, I'd still prefer that the, like the ARs be limited to about 40 rounds and things like that. Um, some of the guns I didn't get to use, but I know are out there. 
I think with like the Bison or the PP19, uh, the P90, I didn't see anyone drop. I didn't see it go anywhere. Um, the M1A is actually in two different categories. There's an M1A that's considered a rifle and there's some M1As that I believe are considered marksman rifles. So I suspect uh, the big difference there is going to be the talents that are able to drop on them. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I have. This is kind of a messy talk about all this, but, um, I guess my final thoughts is that there's just so much, you know, like I made kind of a sarcastic comment, uh, you know, last week or over the weekend where, um, someone posted about the end game of division, uh, or of Anthem. And I made kind of a joke and it upset a couple people. That really wasn't the intent, but I was like, man, the, the end game of Anthem seems like it has less than the beta of Division 2. But it it's kind of true. And Anthem's a weird game. Anthem's going to have a lot to learn. Uh, and I think it'll eventually be great. But um, what, what I see, and the reason I said that, probably shouldn't have. It, the reason I said it, though, is that the Division 2 seems like it learned a lot of its lessons. It, it, it seems like it, you know, they, they, they've taken in all of the complaints and all of the criticisms and all of the compliments, uh, you know, it seems like they've seen the things that worked and kept them and saw the things that didn't work and got rid of them or changed them for division two. Uh, I've said it a few times that I really believe that the division two is going to provide something good for everyone you know they could have taken division two in a direction where it would focus on one part of the playing community even maybe a majority of it uh you know 50 60 percent uh and really satisfied them and maybe ignored the pvp people or the dark zone people or the pve people whatever but instead what it seems like they did is they spread the love and instead of a small part of the community being really happy uh, it seems like they've done their best, or at least they, they're attempting to make the whole community, for the most part, you can't make everyone happy, but it really seems like they've thrown a bone to everyone. You know, if you want DZ, here's three DZs. Here's one that is completely ruleless. Uh, the other two still have better systems than Division 1. If you want straight PvP and you don't want to mess with the Dark Zone, you like Call of Duty, well, here's Skirmish, here's Domination. Go nuts, and I bet there's more coming later. Uh, if you like missions, well, here's some long, awesome story missions. Uh, here's some side missions that are fun, too. Oh, and by the way, here's some shade tech missions that are really fun, too. And they're on the side almost. Uh, and then we know we have raids coming as well, which we don't know anything about those. And honestly, I hope we don't know anything about them until the day they come out. It just... It, it seems like they've tried to give us everything. Uh, the, the, they have been really coy... And talking about how they, you know, you know, at E3 and at some interviews, I've seen them talk about, you know, we we can't bring everything back from Division One. You know, it's the Division Two won't have all of the same stuff at release. You know, they've been, I feel like they've been very persistent about that and trying to set people's expectations correctly. And I'm here to completely ruin that. I genuinely think that that Division Two may release with more content than Division One ever had. Uh, and even if it's less, which I honestly don't think it is, it seems like it's higher quality. I mean, it just seems better. It just seems like there's more. 
I know people are worried about some things, and I am as well. But the things I'm worried about don't really have anything to do with what I've seen. They have to do with things I haven't seen. I genuinely believe this game's going to be really good. And I'm a fanboy, and I take that into account. And I know that. I got treated to this trip. I understand that that biases you. But even taking all those things into account, I've gone from thinking this game would be really fun for me. I was really excited for Division 2 for myself. And now I'm excited for it for, for the gaming community. I'm, I'm excited for it for games. I think that the way that the Division 1 recovered itself and got better through time uh, was a great story. I think how much better and how much of a clinic Division 2 will be for how developers can take lessons from one game and make it better for the next game is is going to be something that will be remembered and will be noticed uh, in the way that destiny 2 failed in this way i think division 2 is going to succeed and i'm really excited about that so i, I really hope you know there's still some things i want to know but I mean, I, I pretty much at this point, I'm willing to completely endorse people pre-ordering this game and be getting hyped and being ready to have fun with it and play it. Um, I don't expect it to be perfect, but I think it's going to be pretty damn good. When it comes to the things I'm worried about, um, you know, I've still been calling for the stash space and season pass information. I made a tweet last week about how we need clarification on those. We're getting to the we're getting to the wire you know um it was really well received by a lot of people it wasn't meant to be a clickbait thing i have no desire you know i didn't make like a big video about it and monetize it because i can't um i wouldn't anyways i i really believe like the the conversation behind microtransactions and division one got really ugly and uh it made careers out of people who wouldn't have otherwise uh and, and I don't think it was right. I, I think that uh, there was a lot of sensationalism. I think there was some straight up lying going on. And then there was some patting on the backs of people to themselves after after like encrypted caches finally got released that these people thought that they, you know, they made the difference when really all they did was give attention to people who ended up being a huge detriment to the game and the community itself. Um, and that I don't I think that they just did with encrypted caches what they meant to from the start. Um, so the stash space thing needs to be cleared up. I hope that I can bring that information sooner and later. Uh, and same with the season pass. The, the additional activities, I honestly expect them to be underwhelming. Maybe some side stories, maybe some extra side missions that you don't get unless you have a season pass. I don't know. The meat of the season pass appears to be the early access. And if you don't like that, that's totally fair. I personally don't have an issue with it, but I'm also someone who's buying it. So maybe that's why I don't care. So I was hoping to bring you guys information about that. I don't have it yet. Hopefully I will sooner than later. Uh, I will jump into listener questions. So Brian the Incredible says, do you think there will be a meta loadout from the beginning like D1, Division 1 I assume, or do you think they'll have it pretty balanced? I think it's impossible to truly balance one of these games. I don't think I don't think you can you can really balance these games 100%. That said, I think that this new gear brand system and a bunch of the talents it looks like we have, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple builds um, you know rise to the top. Uh, there's a lot of builds that just give straight weapon damage, and I, I have a feeling people will gravitate towards those. 
But I also think that people who are a little more creative um, are going to have the ability to to make other builds that counter those builds well. Um, I fully expect there to be a meta, but I don't expect the meta, uh, I assume we're talking about PvP, um, I don't expect the meta to be unbeatable the way that like Striker was at one point in Division 2, you know, 1.8 point whatever. Um, I, I think that people are going to gravitate towards just damage builds, and, I, and that's fine. That's the easiest thing to do. Requires the least amount of thinking. But I really do believe from some of the brand sets I've seen and the talents and, and so on and so forth, I think that there's going to be the opportunity for people to get creative and make builds that are different and just as effective. But we'll have to see. On top of that, I really do think that they will be happy to change things up, adjust things, rebalance and do all of that. Uh, and the biggest thing is, I just hope that there's a huge priority on that. In Division 1, you know, we had, I don't think we ever got a new talent on high-end gear, despite the fact that 95% of the talents on high-end gear are completely useless. That's something that kind of is what it is with Division 1. Absolutely cannot be a thing in Division 2. Uh, and then Nitro um, just kind of gave a general statement. And, and basically, it, it just led me to believe that I should just kind of talk about my, my attitude towards microtransactions. And it's really not complicated. And it's probably not going to, you know, it, it's not going to satisfy uh, the people who got really outraged about them. As long as it's not pay to win, I don't care. Is, is my basic statement. So that gets complicated though. So some people think that the early access is a type of pay to win. I don't think it is. I just don't, not worried about it. I think a few people are gonna get a couple days ahead, but once everyone hits 30, it won't matter. And then especially once new stuff comes out, everyone's gonna be there anyways. It even sounds like with the early access, there may be some things in place that keeps the people from getting too far ahead, but we'll have to see. In Division 1, they did that with gear score increases. I'm cool if they keep doing that, but I'm not sure if they will or not. <laughs> but basically, as long as I can't log on to Division 2 the day it comes out and pay 20 bucks for a gun that is twice as powerful as anything you can loot, um, then I, I'm cool. I don't care about cosmetics. The one thing that does irk me a bit is loot boxes. Only because I'm willing to spend money on what I want. And I don't love the idea um, of, of the loot boxes. And really, and I guess maybe I am a shill in this way. But the reason I don't like the loot boxes is honestly because it's easy pickings for sensational YouTubers. It's it's just an easy way for you know Jim Sterling and, and, and every other theater you know person who may or may not really care about the issue, but knows that they can make significant money off of making a huge deal out of it. And um, I really just don't want them to give easy clickbait to people who are going to lap it up. Um, do I expect people like that to make sensational videos about Division 2, no matter what they do? Absolutely. They already have. Um, but I, I, I just think that it's dumb. Uh, just give me, you know, give me a clothing set for five bucks the way they did in Division 1 when it first came out. Uh, I, the, the Marine set. I bought the day the game came out and I've, I still use it. I love those, uh, the aesthetics of those. 
Um, so with microtransactions, I just don't get all worked up the way a lot of people do. This game is meant for people 18 and up. If kids are playing it and they're getting their parents' credit cards, in my opinion, that's a whole different issue. That's that's not completely on Ubisoft. That's not completely on Massive, in my opinion. That's a uh, that's a whole system problem, and maybe they can do stuff to make it better. Um, but to me, that's like making you know like a car company make it you know have to focus on making sure kids can't turn on the cars and do something like they shouldn't be there anyways and so there's more to it than that um you know i like to think that adults should be allowed to spend their money however they please uh you know the because the the big thing that people focused on with microtransactions in division one and other games was that it was teaching it was turning children into gambling addicts and it was um giving adults with gambling addiction you know a, a way to waste their money and as someone who is the son of a gambling addict um I, taking those out of the that, that issue of of children and gambling addicts um, shouldn't even need to be the main issue with loot boxes. Uh, a part of it, sure, why not? But the way that people made those two issues, the headline, um, to me, felt very clickbaity, very sensational, because all you should have to say is paying money for random items is dumb. Now, underneath that, under the umbrella of that problem is the potential for children to use them and get a dopamine hit out of it uh, and to abuse their parents' credit cards or whatever, or a gambling addict to, to fulfill their need through this. But I don't think those are the main issues. I think the main issue is paying money for something you don't know about. And I don't like that. Now, in the Division 1, they had encrypted cash keys that if you played the game for 20 minutes, you could earn one. It was easy. Maybe that's probably an exaggeration, but still. So basically, as long as it's not pay to win, I don't really care. I would just prefer if I could just pay for the stuff I wanted. I'd prefer no loot boxes, but if they are going to do them, there at least needs to be a free way to get them. So there's that. Bond's outlook on microtransactions. Is what it is. That's why I have this week. Uh, I'm really excited for the beta. By the time I do the next podcast, we'll be face deep in it. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to talk about my impressions. And uh, and we'll go from there. So if you like the podcast, please follow on whatever platform you're listening to it. If you're on iTunes, I would really, really, really appreciate a rating and a review. If you listen on YouTube uh, and you want to see more, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment below with your thoughts. Do you think I'm an idiot uh, with what I said about something? Do you agree with me? Do you have a different stance? I'd love to hear about it. You can find me on Twitch, where I stream multiple times a week, and on Twitter as Bond Diesel. You can find links to those pages, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff in the description or somewhere in whatever platform you're on. That's what I have this week. So until next time.